Good morning. Good morning. Let me give you some announcements as I welcome here today. First off, if you have a prayer request you'd like for us to pray for now or during the prayer team when they meet on Tuesday, if you will raise your hand, one of the ushers will get you a, a index card to fill out the prayer. Also, we have the Boy Scouts. As you know, the Boy Scout troop is now associated with our church, and the Boy Scouts will be selling the popcorn. That's what they do to raise money, like the Girl Scouts sell cookies. They'll be selling popcorn after the services today, okay? After the services. And um, so I want you to hopefully you'll buy some popcorn on your way home today. Now, we, have a, we are organizing a Cub Scout troop, and leaders are in place. We're ready to start uh, our Cub Scout pack. And uh, the Cubs are open for boys grades one through five. The first meeting uh, is for parents and Cubs. It'll be November the 10th at 7 p.m. at the Rock House. And please help us pass the word as to as many boys as you can. Now, Cubs are open for boys grades one through five, First meeting is November uh, the 10th. Alan Smith's our scouting coordinator. Alan, please make sure that uh, Beth gets a copy of this, okay? Sometimes things are given to me on Sundays never <laughs> find their way back to the light of day, okay? All right, also tonight, well, first of all, this afternoon, we're having a pumpkin carving party. And you, you're invited. It's in here in the Family Life Center at 2 p.m. At 2 p.m. And you can come and carve a, par, a pumpkin, which will be auctioned off during tonight's um, Halloween carnival. Uh, money's raised. Will be will be to benefit Memorial's children and youth. Uh, pumpkins and carving materials will be supplied. So all you got to do is come. Maybe you might want to dress in something to keep you from getting too dirty. Just show up. And then tonight, the Halloween um, carnival and trunk or treat is tonight at 5 o'clock, which will begin inside here at Family Life Center for fun and games, dinner prepared by our youth, hayride, inflatables, and more, and then the carnival uh, will move uh, outside for the trunk or treat uh, at 6.30, okay? So the, the carnival is inside the day at 5, and then it moves out for the trunk or treat at 6.30, okay? So we hope you'll come and be, and be part of that uh, this morning. At the 11 o'clock service, we will be conducting baptism of, of, of uh, Will and Kate, Katie Lavender's little boy, William Benjamin Lavender. So I hope when you see them, you congratulate them on this milestone in their child's life. All right. Let us begin our worship. Will you stand and sing with us? Oh, you 
sink beneath the shadow of your wings. Oh, better is a one day in your courts, better is a one day in your house, better is a one day in your courts, thousands of elsewhere.
you bow your heads and pray with me? Gracious God, thank you for this beautiful fall day. We come here today to worship and to praise you and to truly lift your name on high. We are so grateful to have the opportunity to be here in this place worshiping you. Please show us your love and open our hearts and our minds to hear your message so that we can take your love and your message outside of these walls in our day-to-day lives. Bless us this morning as we spend this time together. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. If you would turn and greet your neighbor and children come forward for the children's sermon. morning. How are you guys? Good. You ready for this evening? Trunk or treat? All right, good. All right. Everyone has rules, right? Do you have to follow rules? Yeah. Well, I teach first grade, and I have the rules in my classroom. They're, the first one is to be kind and respectful. The second one is to follow directions quickly. The third one is to be a good listener, and the fourth one is to be safe. Now, which one do you think would be the most important role there? Be safe. Be safe, okay. How about be kind and respectful? And be so they're all pretty good rules, aren't they? All right. Now, I always say be kind and respectful is one of the most important rules to have. Now, in Jesus's day. They had rules they had to follow, too. And one day, a lawyer asked Jesus, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Now, how many commandments are there? Ten. There's ten, right? When Moses wrote them, there was ten. But the Jews had 613 laws. That's a lot to remember, isn't it? Yeah, I would be in trouble all the time because I have a terrible memory. But... 365 of them were don'ts. Anyway, Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. Now, that is the greatest commandment of all. And the second one is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, in other words... Jesus is telling us if we follow those two commandments, every other rule will be easy to keep. There'll be no trouble at all. So if we love the Lord with all our heart and might and love our neighbors, we can follow the rest. Now, it's not always easy to keep up with these commandments, is it? Yeah, sometimes you get grumpy, and it's hard to keep those. And we need God's guidance. This one's just rolling around on the floor, aren't you? I'm going to grab you. (laughs) All right, so let's pray. Dear Lord, help us keep these two commandments. Help us to love with all our heart and love our neighbors. In Jesus' name, amen.
I want to remind you that next Sunday is All Saints Sunday, which we celebrate the lives of those saints who've gone before us uh, since last All Saints. And we want you to remember that. We have a special liturgy that we use during that time. As you come in now to this time of prayer, I want you to continue to remember in your prayers the Bomar and the Leonard families uh, who will lay to rest their loved ones today and tomorrow. We pray for them, and we hope that you will pray for them. Let us uh, bow our heads in prayer. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. O oh Lord, you are our dwelling place in all generations, and we come before you this day for praise and thanksgiving. We know that we're made of the stuff of the earth and like all creation, we're made new through your mercy. You saved us so that we might enjoy loving you. You saved us and you called us to love one another. And yet, O oh Lord, as we come before you this day with our prayers and our petitions and our thanksgivings, we must confess. We must confess that we have often failed in these tasks. We've not loved you with our whole hearts and we've not honored your great gift when we treat each other in poor ways. And yet you call us to come and to be refreshed and renewed because of your mercy and to forgive us. And we thank you, O Lord, for this great forgiveness that you extend to us. And we pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, You'd help us to speak, not to please others, but to please you. Enable us to speak clearly with our mouths and to show forth in our lives that we have understood your command to love one another. We know this day, O oh Lord, that you care for us. is loving like a mother for her children. And you empower us to be gentle messengers of your healing words. And we pray this day, O oh Lord, for all those who are burdened with sickness in their minds, bodies, or spirit. And we pray especially this day for those on our prayer list. And we pray for direction and guidance for our couples. They make big decisions. We pray for Boyce, who has cancer. And we pray for all those that are so dear that we would say them now in the silence of our hearts. Satisfy us every day, O Lord, with your steadfast love and answer us. For we pray in the name of Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We continue today, as I mentioned last week, we'll do two sermons on Thessalonians and then we'll have our All Saints service and then we'll have two more and so 
today continuing on in 1 Thessalonians as we look at, at what we can find out from studying this book. I want you to pay attention to the reading from the beginning at chapter 2, verse 1. You know, brothers and sisters, our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, and as you know, but with the help of our Lord, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as one approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You know, we never used flattery, nor did we put a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. And surely you remember our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we deal with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into His kingdom and glory. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we, we thank You for the care uh, that Paul had for his churches and for the care the churches had for Paul. Uh, we also hear, though, within those words, the reason that the Thessalonian church uh, grew and was prosperous in its time. And we pray that you'd help us and guide us to see uh, some keys that are found in those scriptures. Amen. As I said, we continue our discussion. Uh, Paul said, if you think about it, last week, Paul said that they had a faith that was worth talking about. And if we want to have that same kind of faith, we got to follow, I think, some of the examples from the letters in the Bible to these churches. They had endurance. You remember us talking about that? They had stick to itness. They had a willingness to endure pain for kingdom work. And all this was inspired by their hope in Christ Jesus. They had turned all God's substitutes in their life, they had turned away from them to serve the living and true God. So these believers were and are and still are worthy of our look-see and to think about. They're a model. But how did they get to be like they were? How come Paul was able to use so many words of praise? And I think the important key here is leadership. Leadership. President Harry Truman once said on the importance of leadership, he said, I wonder how far Moses would have gotten if he had stopped every few days and took a poll. Unfortunately, so much of our leadership today is based on poll taking, and it's not true leadership. But it isn't the polls or public opinion that counts. It is leadership. 
The people at the helm, those in charge, are very important where they are, whether they are a coach or teachers or whether they are leaders in the church. Leadership is very important. And I believe that within that scripture there, you saw why good leadership is important. And I think you also saw some attributes and characteristics of good leadership there in that scripture. So let me point them out to you. Let me tell you about them. See if you can see them and understand them. I saw five keys to effective leadership in that scripture we just, just read. First, good leaders are people of courage. Now why do good leaders need to be people of courage? Because a leader's mission is to take people from where they are to where they need to be. And anytime you do that, there will be opposition. If you are a leader in your business or in the school or in your community, if you lead, there will be opposition. To do what you know is the right thing in the face of opposition takes courage. Listen, Paul said, we dared to tell you the gospel in spite of strong opposition. Good leaders stand up in spite of strong opposition. And Jesus said there will always be opposition to the truth. He said in John 3, 19, there is, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, the gospel of truth, but men love darkness instead of light. They, in other words, they love lies instead of truth because their deeds were evil. The people have always resisted. It's part of our corrupt sinful nature. Uh, to hear the truth. Even back in the Old Testament, Amos, who was an Old Testament prophet, it's recorded in eight, uh, Amos 8, 11, that after he brought the prophecy from God to the people, the people said, get out of here and go somewhere else. And, and don't speak to us. We don't want to hear what you're telling us God wants us to do. There will be opposition if you speak the truth. Good leaders speak the truth in spite of opposition. Good leaders are people of courage. That's the first, the first key to effective leadership, I believe it's in this scripture. Second, good leaders are driven by purpose. You know, it was common in Paul's day for these people to come into town. They were called super apostles, at least that's what Paul called them. And what I kind of think they were was a little bit like the old time tent meeting folks that used to come through town. I think today the equivalent is a crooked televangelist on TV. They'd give a few speeches, they'd gather up a big bunch of money, and then they'd head out before anyone could figure it. they were phony. Now, Paul says, don't use a trickery or flattery, okay? And he didn't use that. He told people up front, he told people up front that coming to Christ was a commit everything proposition. Friends, if we as leaders in the church and in the community, if we are to win people, if we win them with tricks or flattery, we don't win them to Christ. We will win them to tricks and flattery. For example, if you have a youth ministry that only supplies young people with endless fun and parties and pizza, you have not won them to Christ, you've only won them to pizza. 
If we win adults by saying, come, enjoy, happy times, and anything goes, come here, you're going to hear what you want to hear, you're never going to be challenged, you're never going to be told to do anything or to grow or transform yourself, then we have not won them to the sacrificial life of Christ. We have won them to self-serving, please-me attitudes. So leaders in the church have to keep sight of the main thing and not allow themselves to be distracted from their goal. Paul's main thing, the purpose that he and those early church leaders had was we are not trying to please people. You remember him saying that in the Scripture? We're not trying to please people. We're trying to please God who tests our hearts. The main thing for a Christian believer is not to please others, but to please God. And there's always strong temptation for leaders to please people instead of pleasing God. But good leaders, good leaders, effective leaders, Christian leaders do not allow themselves to lose sight of this goal. So good leaders are driven by purpose. The purposes of God. The third, third, I think, effective thing that comes out of these scriptures for good leadership is this. Good leaders are people who are people of integrity. Now, when I was a young boy, my dad and I used to go hunting quite a bit. Uh, we, we hunted for squirrels and rabbits. Uh, we even went wild boar hunting one time. We went deer hunting. We went uh, uh, dove hunting. Uh, quail. We, we, we did a lot of hunting. And I remember uh, us riding down the road one day and there was a sign that said, check station, check station ahead. Now, any of y'all hunters here or know anything about hunting? A few of you? Okay. Do you know what a check station is? That's where you would stop and the park ranger would check to make sure you had not gone over your limit, okay? That you hadn't, hadn't uh, uh, killed too many or, or killed, uh, say, killed a doe instead of a buck if you didn't have a doe tag and so forth and so on. So it said, check station ahead. And right after that, uh, uh, at, right after that sign, it was a road, a little road that looked kind of like it would carry you off the main road somewhere. Um, and then if you went on down there, there would be the st check station. But our park rangers up in our mountains are kind of sm got kind of smart, okay? They realized people would want to miss if they could not come by the check station. Some who weren't people of integrity. And so where do you think the check station really was? <laughs> right there, yes. And where does, where, the sign says check station ahead, but there was this road right before the sign went off. That's where they were, okay? Good leaders are people of integrity. Good people are leaders of integrity. The reason I know that, I wish you, because I know something, I'm thinking, okay, now how does Joseph know that's where the check station was? <laughs> because my dad turned off right there. <laughs> okay. 
But it wasn't because he was trying to avoid the check station, because we didn't have anything. We had, hadn't killed a thing. He was, he was trying to avoid the backup and the traffic, and he knew, he knew the way. But I remember him laughing and talking about, says, there's going to be a lot of people get surprised when they turn here and see the rangers. Good leaders are people of integrity. Listen, Paul let people know where he stood. He let people know what he really believed. And you should too. You see, a lack of integrity causes people to lie. It causes them to say one thing and mean another. It causes them to break commitments to their family, to their friends, to their Lord, to their church. Without integrity, you never really know if you can believe what a person is saying or if what they say, they will really do. Jesus said, let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. It is integrity that prevents someone from entering into a shady business deal. It's integrity that causes a person to tell the truth even though it will cost them. And it's integrity that makes someone do the right thing instead of the easy thing. So friends, good leaders are people of integrity. Fourth, the fourth characteristic of good leadership is good leaders are people who care. Look at verse 7 that we just read. Paul said, we were gentle among you, like a father or a mother caring for her children. In fact, the word used in this verse for caring means nursing. Now, when a mother nurses a baby, it's important for her to eat well, to make sure that she has the proper nutrition because what she eats feeds her baby. Friends, you can't give what you don't have. In order to feed others, we have to take care of ourselves spiritually. If, if the church leaders uh, are not spiritually fed, they can't feed the members. So it's important that the leaders of the church eat spiritually. And that is what the church will eat. And like I said, if they have nothing to give, they're spiritually dried up. And so I challenge you who are leaders, many of you in here today are leaders in committees in this church and on boards and are officers. How is your spiritual diet? I hope that you feed on more than Sunday morning. You need to feed on more than Sunday morning. Paul says that I, he says basically, I loved you so much that I delighted to share with you the gospel of God. I love you so much that I share with you every Sunday the gospel of God. And because of that, because you are here and you listen and you're fed by the gospel of God, I care for you and you care for me. Remember, people don't care how much you know until they know you care. The Bible teaches that good leaders are caring people. And finally, the fifth characteristic that I saw in these scriptures were good leaders. Good leaders are right with God. But I would add, add that not just good leaders are right with God, but everyone who's right with God will be a good leader. 
You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed, is what Paul said. Leaders. Leaders are to have proper relationship with others. And they should be known by their honesty, their sincerity. They, they should be known by their kindness and their trustworthiness. But even more important, leaders must be in a right relationship with the Lord. Did you know that before a new king was placed on the throne in Israel in ancient times, in Old Testament times, a ceremony would take place where the scroll that contained the Word of God was held over their head. It was held over their head to underscore the fact that God is the source for all good leadership. Likewise, in our history, in New Testament times, uh, the divine right of kings, the, the priests, the bishops, the popes, crowned the kings and queens during the, those times to establish the fact that it was God, the source of all good leadership. So it's important for leaders to be right with God. It's important because a leader has to be tough, and that leader is going to need help, and their help comes from God. Do you ever wonder how Paul faced so much opposition? How was he able to face so much opposition with courage? Where did he get the help he needed? How could he write these wonderful words that we read that bless us so much? And he says himself in this text, he says, with the help of God, we dared to tell you the gospel in spite of strong opposition. My friends, we can learn a whole lot from the Thessalonian church and from Paul and from the way he operated. And I want just to tell you that there are five key points of leadership, in, I believe, in just the way Paul acts and talks in this scripture. And just to recap, good leaders are people of courage. Good leaders are driven by a purpose. Good leaders are people of integrity. Good leaders are people who care. And good leaders are right with God. Last week, you heard me say that those folks were compassionate, receptive, evangelistic, and they were being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were being transformed to be good leaders. And those are the attributes that Paul has pointed out about good leadership in the Scripture. So I hope that you will uh, read, continue to read on in Thessalonians, but like I said, next week we're going to have uh, go a little different direction to remember our All Saints uh, Sunday. Amen. All right. Let's uh, respond to the Word of God re read and proclaimed by standing and, re and uh, in unison our, affirming our faith with this affirmation. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We're called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, 
to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, in life and death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Let our ushers come forward at this time to receive our tithes and our offerings.
Will you stand and sing with us? Son and the Holy Spirit, the Almighty, Eternal, Triune God, one God, now and forever. Amen.
have a great week.